0: Welcome to What We Give, a podcast that highlights the remarkable ways people are contributing to their community. I'm John McKay, the MP for Scarborough Guildwood. On today's episode, I'm joined by Lee Soda, Executive Director of Agent Court Community Services Association. ACSA is a nonprofit, multi service agency in Scarborough that provides services to people in poverty. I was pleased to talk to Lee about how her organization promoted a vaccine confidence and contributed to Scarborough's high immunization rates. Here's my conversation with Lee. Soda. That's not a name that you hear every day. Um, What, uh, is it a short form of something else or, uh, you know, tell me about the name Soda.
1: Um, well it's it's my married name um, mm. and when I first got married and wanting so desperately to hang on to um, to my to my maiden name, I hyphenated and I became Mandarino soda and
0: Mandarino. The jokes,
1: Okay. soda and the jokes were just were they were killing me
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and so i I decided just to go with soda i I don't know the the, the, the history behind the name, it is Italian, which mm-hmm. people also find it difficult to, to believe. Um, but uh, there are very few sodas uh, around. And as I understand it, there was a, uh, a, a punk band in the 70s that uh, were quite out there. And the lead singer uh, was named Frank Soda, which happens to be the same name as my husband. And so when I first got married, uh, people would stop and ask me if my husband was this funky uh, punk band lead singer who used to wear a television on his head (laughs) (laughs) when he performed. So no connection to Frank Soda, the, the, you know, the awesome punk uh, lead singer. And um, and yeah, it's uh, okay. Bravo well, along. I'm
0: sure. I'm sure your husband's a very fine fellow. Uh, yes, he is.
1: <laughs> but I'm more
0: interested in. I'm more interested in you than I am in your okay. husband. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll go with mandarino. So okay. that sounds. That sounds Italian to me, but I may be wrong. It is. Yeah. Okay. So, um, th- were you born in Italy or were you born here?
1: No, I was born. I was born here uh, in Canada. My parents immigrated to Canada from Italy in the early 1960s. Uh, one of three girls, uh, one of three mm-hmm. kids, and um, and you know raised in a very um, sort of strict immigrant family in the early 1960s, where our house uh, was the first house that you know was purchased as newcomers, and uh, we became sort of the hub for all of the other brothers and sisters that came from Italy, and um, and those are my earliest memories in in Toronto as being part of this big awesome family of 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 people who were trying to find their way and their place in Toronto So, is,
0: is your first language Italian it is yeah yeah, yeah. and do you still uh, use it at home
1: I do I I can speak it and I can read it fluently and uh and uh we still have like a great time in the family for those of us who can still speak uh, Italian and and we speak. We refer to Italian anytime we don't want our kids to understand what we're
0: saying. <laughs> so, so the kids don't speak, but uh,
1: mom and right.
0: dad have this code language. That's right. I took I took Italian in university, and after about three weeks, the uh, the professor uh, came across the headset to me, and he says, "Mr. McKay, you don't seem to have much of a talent in this language." <laughs> I thought I, you know, I thought I was pretty good because I'd worked on construction for several summers and of course all of the, uh, all the, uh, my co-workers were Italian and I learned probably a few words that we can't repeat on a family yes, podcast good, like probably this. probably
1: just know the interesting <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah, so, uh, uh, so the big question on, on the Scarborough Guildwood podcast is, were you raised in Scarborough?
1: I was not raised oh. in Scarborough.
0: My goodness, I was
1: not raised in Scarborough. Uh, Mm. I was raised in the West End, uh, Little Italy uh, at the time, St. Clair and Mm Dufferin. But I moved to Scarborough in 1995 and have been a proud resident of Scarborough uh, since then. And both of my daughters were born and raised in Skirk.
0: Okay, well, we'll, 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 let
1: that we'll give slide. you the,
0: yeah, that'll, that'll be okay. You know, okay. generally we don't recognize anything <laughs> west of the Don Valley Parkway for this podcast. So, uh, well, and um, where did you go to school?
1: I went to school at, um, again, in the West End, uh, Western Technical uh, yeah. was where I went to high school. Yes, mm-hmm. Western yeah. Tech. And then I went on. Uh, to I went to Seneca College for a couple of years, and then I got uh, my undergrad at
0: York University. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, York University is not UTSC, but it's a pretty good university, I have to say. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What did you do your your um, undergrad in?
1: Uh, psychology. And uh, and before I went to university, I got my uh, early childhood education. So uh, coupling those two fields has served me well throughout my career.
0: Well, I think I should have gone into early childhood education because in politics, I feel like I'm mostly managing children. Um, and um, I'm sure a degree would have helped me immeasurably uh, in my uh, my chosen profession. <laughs> well, call
1: call me. I might be able to
0: give you some. Tips. Oh, I say okay. <laughs> well, that, that that should be a that should be a great deal of help. So <laughs> I'm assuming that as a, a you know being the big cheese, the executive director at the Aging Court Community Services uh, was not your first job. What was your first job?
1: My first job was working in a factory. Making um, uh, eyeglass lenses,
0: oh,
1: prescription, really? Prescription eyeglass lenses, yes. Yeah. And it was um, the the plant or the company was at um, a Dufferin and the 401. I still remember this. And my job was to um, uh, take calls from optometrists throughout the country. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a national company. And I took prescriptions down. So doctors would call with their prescriptions and and I took down the prescriptions and then we would make the lenses and I would be part of having to pack them off and ship them out all over Canada. was my first job,
0: I imagine you've been replaced by a computer by now, but uh, yeah. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, hence the uh, explanation for the fondness for, um, for eyeglasses. Like and, funky uh, glasses, yes. Yeah, funky yes. glasses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you just brought back a great memory, John. I hadn't thought about that job in, in a long time. So yeah, yeah. that
0: was my first yeah. Job. And in your chosen field, what was your first job?
1: In my chosen field, I, um, I worked in a, in a small childcare center um, and it was the first job I got after I graduated, and it was a, a fine job. The children were great, the families were great, uh, but I also knew that I I needed to go back to school and and sort of deepen and further my education. And that's mm. when I decided to go back and, and get my undergrad. Yeah,
0: good for you. Good for you. That's uh, going from you know the college life to the work life, and then up to the university life, and then. Back to work life, that's, uh, that's a challenge at the best of times. So congratulations. Okay. So um, let's work on the assumption that not many people know what the Aging Court uh, Community Services is. So um, in, um, in the elevator pitch, what is the uh, Aging Court Community Services?
1: So AXA, that's our acronym because Aging yes. Court Community Services Association is a long name. So, so we go by AXA. And it is a community-based social service agency. We've been in the community uh, since the early 1970s. And the mission of the, of the agency is to offer a hand up to mm. those in the community that are in need. And uh, need uh, can, can range from newcomer services to those experiencing homelessness, to domestic violence, to everything in between, including Uh, children, and senior services. Um, It was was started by eight faith leaders um, Mm. in in the community in the early 1970s, uh, with each one of them recognizing that the uh, Scarborough landscape was starting to look different. Uh, And uh, and they rolled up their sleeves, and they decided to start this association um, with volunteers, strictly with volunteers and you know nearly 50 years later it is still going strong with a, a contingency of about 400 volunteers 150 Whoa. staff six locations all all in scarborough our focus is scarborough doing so go over
0: that go over that again 400 volunteers
1: 400 volunteers yeah. 150 staff part-time and oh, full-time so. staff wow. yeah uh with six Six locations throughout Scarborough. Uh, our work is focused in Scarborough.
0: So, if I'm a, if if you had to describe a typical um, customer, for one of a better term, um, client, uh, of um, of the service, how would you how would you describe that person?
1: Um, that person would be someone who looks like you and me, and um, is in need of something in a moment in time of their life. Uh, whether that is a newcomer making uh, our great city their home and in need of settlement services or English classes or helping them find a school for their kids or helping them to find a new home for their families as they settle here. Um, They will walk in through our doors and often the folks that walk in through our doors don't just have one issue that needs to be addressed, they will come in with one issue, but then it becomes our job to sort of help unpack what else we can, uh, we can do for them. And um, so newcomers uh, come in through our doors. Uh, We we have a a large department that works with people who are experiencing homelessness. And, um, you know, out here in Scarborough, uh, folks will often say to me, but homelessness in Scarborough no no that's that's a downtown issue or it's a belief that it's mostly a downtown issue it just looks a little different in mm. scarborough yeah um, so so we we also help to um, find permanent homes for those that are struggling with homelessness uh, either living rough outside or perhaps couch surfing and don't have a permanent address um, we have, uh, a, lo- a large number of programs for children and families, uh, and and I would say that most of our clients are, are, are our new de- newest citizens to this city. So a lot of mm-hmm. newcomers. I'd say upwards of seventy percent of our of our um, of the folks that walk in through our doors are newcomers.
0: Now, uh, Aging Corps generally, uh, but Scarborough to a lesser extent has a significant Asian population um is is your clientele um significantly asian
1: i wouldn't say so I, I would say that perhaps when i first started with axa that was the case but i think that um certainly over the last decade um the face of our clients is very diverse very multicultural uh, certainly uh we serve a lot of uh, of the asian population but we also serve a large number of South Asians, um, and and you know various other demographics. So it is it is very
0: diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it was started by eight faith leaders. Um, are they still involved?
1: Um, their their faith their churches are still involved. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the the good folks that uh, that started uh, 50
0: years ago might not be. Yes, yes. Uh,
1: not so much, not so much. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But uh, but what are the
0: what are the the churches that are involved?
1: So, uh, well, this is a great test. Um, I I don't think I'm going to to include all of them because memory will not serve me well. But certainly there is Knox United Church. There is Knox Presbyterian Church there is um uh, saint timothy's anglican church um those are are the three that i remember particularly just because they are still very much around us and still Mm -hmm. very active in the work that axa does
0: so largely from the protestant spectrum of christianity then yes is that fair fair comment
1: yes that is fair Mm -hmm.
0: now i'm assuming that um the pandemic has uh, created unique challenges for you. So, what uh, were are uh, the unique challenges for your service?
1: So, yeah, it's been it's been a heck of a fifteen months. Um, so, certainly when the pandemic uh, hit last March of twenty twenty. And everybody or everything shut down in this great city of ours. Um, I was in a staff meeting. It was the leadership leadership team of AXA that was meeting on that Friday before the the schools were about to go on their um, March break. And um, we got word that uh, March break was being extended by two weeks. That's sort of how it, it came to us, and uh, we all kind of looked at each other and thought, like, ho- "Holy, holy smokes! Um, what are we?" Doing? Or
0: words to that effect, yes.
1: Yeah, words to that effect, yes. 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 <laughs> and um, and and we just knew, John. We just knew because of the work that we do and the populations that we serve um, that we could not close down. So we. Um, We quickly deemed several of our programs as essential, as essential services. Um, And those are uh, the programs that serve our homeless and marginally housed population, um, as well as our food bank. We have uh, one of Toronto's largest food banks in Scarborough here Mm -hmm. uh, that we run. And uh, we deemed them as essential services and therefore Uh, we kept our doors open. We have actually not closed uh, since this pandemic started. Um, The work has had to look differently, um, but we have not closed. I have not been working from home. I have been showing up every day as have been AXA staff, um, uh, serving meals, uh, creating hampers. Uh, We have actually food hampers, food and uh, essential items hampers. We have actually, um, over the course of these last 15 months, uh, started to include delivery services to those who have been unable to come out, vulnerable seniors, those that have been affected by COVID and uh, um, had to obviously adhere to to quarantine. Um, So we have, been able to continue to offer meals, essential or basic basic items. Um, We took the liberty of um, bringing Johnny on the spots to our Shepherd location so that uh, folks had a place to go to the washroom. We installed portable hand washing sinks uh, so that people could have a place to wash. because everything shut down,
0: people mm-hmm. couldn't
1: go to the washroom anywhere. People couldn't wash their hands, and of course, if you're living rough, um, those are those are basic needs that are not being fulfilled.
0: And and have any of your um, clients uh, lost their lives to COVID or been infected by COVID?
1: Um, so certainly, there have been plenty that have been infected by COVID. Um, and, and, and many of our clients have been infected by COVID because many of the people that we serve are also those essential workers that have been getting passed oh, and going to work every day, right?
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
1: yes. So many wow. have been infected by COVID.
0: Yeah. And, uh, they would all be in congregant settings and, uh and compromise uh, situations, which uh, is where the, where the virus likes to live. That's so, right, yes. Have you been involved in the uh, vaccination programs?
1: We have been heavily involved in the vaccination rollout. Uh, so we are one of the partners at the table with uh, Scorpio Health Network, along with other community-based agencies and um, health providing agencies. And um, we have teamed up with the Center for uh, Immigrants and Refugees Healthcare, which is located right across the street from us. And we have been teaming up with uh, Dr. Paul Colford's team to um, to host vaccine clinics three times Paul, a week.
0: Paul's dynamic, isn't he? Oh he
1: my is goodness. dynamic. He, I'm a big fan. He is fan. a
0: one-man show, that guy. Wow. He is. He is. Yeah, I'm yeah, a force of of nature. Yeah.
1: Yep. And so we have teamed up with Paul and his team and of course, Federal Health Network. And, um, you know, our our hashtag is vaxxed to the max.
0: Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> Good line. I like that. Yeah.
1: And yeah. Uh, and so we have, um, you know, we have really shifted uh, so many uh, or, or, or a lot of our program and a lot of our messaging uh, to include the message of it's important to Uh, get out and get vaccinated. And um, we have been part of focus groups to try to understand, um, you know, what are some of the barriers that are still um, not bringing people to those vaccine lines or to the vaccine clinics. We have tried to, uh, we are part of the educating of, you know, making sure that people understand, you know, why it's important to get vaccinated. Uh, dispelling the myths of you know that we all know are out there about vaccines,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, and so yes, it's it's been a big part of what we have been doing over the last several months.
0: So I I kind of live on the periphery of the Scarborough Health Network because <clears throat> Liz Buller has been uh, quite gracious in um, including the elected officials in um, fairly regular briefings, and my impression. And it'd be interesting to hear your impression. My impression is that Scarborough Health Network has really upped its game. Um, that in some respects, uh, Scarborough didn't do that well on the first wave with uh, congregant settings, particularly in long-term care settings, um, got clobbered. And a, a lot of people died, possibly, arguably unnecessarily died and unnecessarily got sick. but. We'll leave that for another day, but in the second wave and the third wave and possibly now the fourth wave, um, Scarborough Health Network has acted as a uh, facilitator slash coordinator and the the entire community has kind of rallied around to uh, drive down or flatten the curve and drive down the infection rate. Um, I'd be interested in knowing whether you think that observation is correct.
1: I absolutely think that that observation is correct. Um, I I think that what the Scarborough Health Network has done and continues to do um, is to understand that there are community-based agencies, entities like AXA that has longstanding relationships and deep, deep roots in the community Um, that we had to be brought on board we Mm -hmm. uh, in the community had to be part of the conversations and part of the work at getting messages out and in collaborating with us who have these relationships in the community
0: and the strategy Uh, and the tactics
1: absolutely absolutely and so I think that they have been just really excelling in that. And, you know, I have heard on many, many occasions from the folks that we are working with the Scarborough health network, um, that they understand how the leveraging of these connections in community, these relationships in communities are really of great benefit. Um, and, And being able to have those boots on the ground Um, with with having residents in the community again with those trusted relationships doing the outreaching doing the knocking on the doors and dispelling the myths and giving out information and uh, working with us with Scarborough Health Network to figure out where are the best places
0: Uh um,
1: to have vaccine clinics that are convenient that are close to home that are in Um, locations that people trust and are comfortable going into uh, working with faith leaders and with organizations like AXA and having them in our spaces, again, so that we can support the vaccine clinics with our staff, with our volunteer, who are trusted entities to families and to individuals who might otherwise not be comfortable going to a max vaccination site, a mass vaccination site or to a hospital where there might be some distrust. Um,
0: yeah, I, think, I think you're right. I think the, um, uh, you know, if, if, if the health network was left to its own devices, uh, it would have been in the hospital or some arena or something of <laughs> that nature, and, um, and that would have been as good as it got, and, um, and that would not have served us very well. And probably our vaccination rates would be a lot lower. I've I've noticed that a a number of the postal codes have, um, well, I would say more than half of the postal codes have exceeded the Toronto average, which indicates to me that um, the message has been received (laughs) and uh, and executed upon. And uh, I think um, people like yourselves are are, like yourself is um, to be credited with that
1: so and, and and they are really using um, the data to drive right. you know where the next vaccine clinic um, it needs to be held and really using the data in those postal codes that you know aren't really moving as much as some of the others uh, to really have them be informed of like what else what else? Right. Is Right. So, um, yeah, we
0: got, we've got kind of the, uh, if you will, the low hanging fruit. That's right. um, and um, now we're, now we're into a bit of a grind to get the, the, uh, the, the final numbers up to, I would say plus 80, uh, 85, 90% would be, <laughs> I guess that's a fantasy land, but still it, w- it, w- it would be really nice to do.
1: We're going to keep trying.
0: Well, and, and that's all you do. I, it reminds me of a conversation our, our 416 caucus had with the prime minister i, know, I guess this was april somewhere in there in any event um it had to do with the uh, distribution of the, the, the doses and uh, and the point uh, i was asked to speak on behalf of, if you will the eastern side of toronto and uh, the point I was making, and the Prime Minister um, accepted quite readily, was that why would you bring the fire hose to where the fire is not? Um, and uh, and so the redistribution needs to be rethought from a per capita to. Uh, putting putting the doses most available to where the uh, the congregant settings are, but also where the greatest likelihood is of um, of transmission. And um, uh, uh, you know, I, I like to think that our four one six caucus had a lot to do with a bit of a, a change in mentality, and uh, those those decisions work together. So interesting, um, interesting um, exercise in applied politics. <laughs> yes so, yes yeah you know, so thank you for that and fine, one final question before i let you go um why do you do what you do
1: because when you find uh something that doesn't feel like work and it's more about passion and um, feeling and knowing that you're making a difference um it, it keeps you it keeps you going a lot of people ask me you know, I don't. Isn't this work depressing? To, you know, aren't you tired? And the and the answer is uh, yes, I'm tired. No, it's not depressing. It is fulfilling and rewarding, and I couldn't imagine doing anything else.
0: What a great answer! Mm-hmm. I've been talking to Lee Soda, who is uh, the uh, executive director of AXA Aging Court Community Services Association. Uh, What a delightful conversation and um, in my representative capacity as the member of Parliament for Scarborough Guildwood, I do want to thank you for the work that you do. And if you could pass on my thanks and the thanks of my colleagues in the House of Commons to uh, your volunteers and your staff, um, I would I would greatly appreciate it so again Lee, uh, thank you for um, taking a few minutes and talking about what you do and how you do it and why you do it so take care thanks again
1: Thank you, john.
0: thanks for listening to what we give i'm john mckay this podcast was produced with support from Layla sharif janice loss and amanda capito if you like what you hear subscribe to what we give on your favorite podcast and leave us a review